Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. From Postcard from the Past and the award-winning Wardour Studios, this is Podcast from the Past, a Postcard podcast. This is a place where we package the great vistas onto something we can hold in our hand or stick to the fridge or prop on a mantelpiece as we investigate old picture postcards, their messages and their images, and we explore what it is that causes us to keep hold of these little cardboard rectangles. In our new streamlined format, each time now I welcome just one guest, and it's their postcards that act as small clues to direct us towards memories, mysteries and stories. I'm Tom Jackson, and I'm delighted to say that today my guest on the podcast this time is writer Lucy Lethbridge. Lucy, welcome to Podcast from the Past. It's lovely to be here, Tom. Now, you will know Lucy Lethbridge as the author of Servants, a downstairs view of 20th century Britain, um, and in the same householding vein, Spit and Polish, um, she's also been involved in history books for children uh, about Ada Lovelace, Annie Oakley, Florence Nightingale, St Francis of Assisi and Napoleon. And um, that sounds like quite a dinner party. <laughs> but most recently, Lucy's been busy with tourists. It's a great book, How the British Went Abroad to Find Themselves. Good subtitle as well. Um, I've got the, the hardback in front of me, but I believe it's now in shiny paperback. Um, it is indeed. And it is a comprehensive but very entertaining look at how we travelled, ordinary people as well as um, the the early travellers, how we travelled, why we travelled, and, and perhaps most importantly of all, what we got up to. Um, and it is stuff full of hair-raising stories, uh, highly recommended. Now, Lucy joins us today bearing a rather smudgy and hard-to-read TW89 postmark. What's that? That is the postmark of my childhood. I was brought up in Twickenham, ah. in Middlesex, and Middlesex no longer exists. It's no longer a county. You've been erased. I have. We have. All of us in Twickenham uh, birthers have been uh, erased. Because it's, it's Greater London. It's part of Greater London. Right. And it was, a, you know, when I was a child, M-I-D-D-X was, went at the end of your address, and it was this little slice of, of sort of Betjeman-esque metroland. Um, you know, once a once a county with hunting lodges and you know ham, you're going back a bit of, now. <laughs> all sorts of places, but now now just a fringe London postmark. Well, you, sh- you should never have left it. You see, that's it, that's your fault. Oh. <laughs> well, before we see and hear about the cards that Lucy's brought along, uh, I'll just give you a quick one of mine. This is, of course, a postcard from the past card, like I do on Twitter in my book. It's an old card from which I've taken just a, a little bit of the message. Um, I'll start with this one. This is um, 
rather grand building, actually. It's um, someone's written on the front, Bath One, which is helpful, um, and it's it looks Ooh. like a it looks like a hunting lodge, actually. Yes, it does. It's in fact a youth hostel, rather oh. a smart one. Oh, it must have been one of the very early ones. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a great building to have a youth hostel, and it says, um, well, there's a lot there's a lot going on here actually. Um, sent from Bath on the postmark, nineteen. 19- 75, I think? Yes. 3rd of September, 75. Sent to Abingdon in Oxfordshire. Um, and it's sent by Sylvia. And Sylvia is writing to Paul. And she says, Dear Paul, had a very easy and quick journey here. That's good. Uh, only 56 miles. Arrived nice and early. Made up my bed and had a big tea. Egg, beans, bread and jam uh, and pot of tea. So this is solid stuff to have at a, a youth hostel. And she says, tomorrow I go to Cheddar Gorge and then on to Minehead, where, uh, on to Minehead, full stop. And a rather strong kind of a change of tone then. When you switch on TV for your wrestling, push in the top button for ITV programme. And then she's put four little dots on the left, an arrow pointing to the top one. It says, this one. Remember to get your meat out of the fridge the night before you need it so it can thaw out. Take care of yourself. Love, Sylvia. So there you go. Sylvia's concerned with um, his uh, well-being and his wrestling entertainment as much as anything else. I think Sylvia's having time off from domestic duties, isn't she? She's leaving her hopeless husband well, yeah. behind to... Um, to make his own meals and wrestle with his own TV. It's quite young writing, and she's gone off to a youth hostel, so I don't, I don't quite understand what's going on. Maybe it's her brother? Maybe. She's writing in capitals, isn't she? So yeah. it's, she's very, very determined that it's going to be completely legible. I like the to... four dots that imply he wouldn't understand which was the top button yeah. unless she actually showed him. Yes, I think, she's, I think she's, uh, she rules the household and um, the menfolk have no idea how to look after themselves when, yeah. she's, when she's off on a jaunt in a youth hostel. Unless it's a very dry joke, which is also a possibility. I don't know. Who knows? Well, all right, I'll give you another one. Now, we're into rather more elegant surroundings here, though a bit grim. It's um, Moodenveen Hotel. I'm almost certainly saying that wrong, in Falmouth in Cornwall. And it, it's subtitled, A Study in Comfort. <laughs> Oh, my God. It, it, it's sort of in the most faded... Colours that have fallen out of fashion, really. Faded red, faded green, faded everything. And in, these J. Arthur Dixon cards have a, a sort of photographic technique that the colour seems to fade out of them anyway. The whole thing has a, a, a rather um, tired look. It makes you feel tired looking at it. Um, anyway, and there's actually some, some text on it. It says, um, this is what's printed on. The main lounge on a winter's evening... Here is warmth, luxury and beauty created by a delicate blend of Wilton carpet, brocade, moquette and a log fire. Um, so that's... Uh, and that interior design was put together by Spencer Petz. So they're very proud of this look. Uh, it, it's not a look that um, we, would, we would admire now, I don't think. I think we would find that pretty oppressive. It's the kind of look you might find in an American hotel that flagged itself as being English style. OK, yes, yes, yes. So there's an inauthenticity about it. And, of course, like a lot of these images, there's no-one in it. So it, it, it's a bit of a ghost ship. There's no-one there. Yes. Um, it's so nice, no-one came. 
Um, anyway, the message is even more grim in a way, I'm afraid. So it's written to Poole in Dorset, uh, to Mr Rusbridge in, in Poole, and it's sent from Mr H, or Mr, Mr. or Mrs. or Miss, H Pilgrim. Um, and the message is poignant. The message is, still hoping to hear from you soon. Oh. So... Oh, that is very sad. Still hoping. And somehow, with the picture of that empty and funereal room... Something's not right, really. That empty comfort. Yeah, yeah. Um, Still hoping to hear from you. H. Pilgrim has, has faded away. They're <laughs> not even in the armchair anymore. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, I should remind you at home, um, images of all these cards um, and, and the cards that Lucy's going to show us and all the cards are all on... The show notes, postcardfromthepast.co.uk. Um, you can imagine them all you like, or you can see them on the website. Uh, now, Lucy, you've been kind enough to bring some cards of your own. What should we look at first? Well, why don't we look at this first? Okay. As this relates to my... Well, uh, well, tangentially relates to my uh, Twickenham childhood, okay. in that it relates to my childhood. So what are we seeing? Um, this is a postcard of the beach at Aldborough okay. in Suffolk. And uh, it's it was sent not all that long ago because it's a picture of Maggie Hambling's very controversial um, sculpture celebrating Aldborough on the beach. Uh, which a lot of people don't like. It's a giant scallop shell. Okay. Um, but has now become, I think, uh, noteworthy. It's a sort of, it's one of the symbols now of Aubrey Beach. Um, but it certainly wasn't there when I was a child. <laughs> um, when we used to spend our summer holidays on the Suffolk coast, and I chose this really because I think that um, with its slightly lowering skies and uh, grey pebbles. This is the very image of an English holiday. <laughs> I think uh, it's quite a blue sky on that one, actually. Well, actually, yes, perhaps that is. It isn't, you're perhaps. Thinking, you're thinking of the reality. It is. I, think I, <laughs> I think I can't look at a blue English sky without imagining it turning very quickly grey. That's the... It's an amazing uh, sculpture because you say it's, it's, a, it's a shell, but it, it, it has a bird-like quality, doesn't it? Um, yes, it does. It has. It's rather lovely, I think, and it and it's... And over the years, it's become weathered and rusty, which has, which has sort of made it blend with the, with the stones. But it certainly, um, it, there was quite a lot of criticism of it when it first went up. But, you know, very quickly, uh, these things become part of the landscape, don't yes, they? And yeah, people absolutely. forget about them, um, that they ever didn't like them. <laughs> um, also, I don't think Maggie Hamlin's scared of being a bit unpopular at times. I oh, think not she, at all. She knows no. what she's doing. I think she knows exactly what she's doing. Um, and in a way, it's a sort of gift to any artist, isn't it, to get a bit of outrage going mm. among the locals. Um, so this is, yes, my childhoods were spent with these very uh, cold, miserable, rainy uh, days that were nonetheless bliss, <laughs> uh, that were part of the sort of stuff of a, of a British childhood. Uh, we didn't go abroad, um, uh, I mean, people did go abroad. I was brought up in the 70s, so people were going abroad. There was quite a lot of abroad. But um, it wasn't quite as uh, as ubiquitous as it is now. You wouldn't automatically think of going abroad. You mostly... Um, families, uh, their first port of call would be, you know, an, an English summering Absolutely. holiday place uh, that was full of fishing nets and buckets and spades and... Uh, and the promise of 
a few sunny days, but mostly rain, which <laughs> I think is is sort of part of it. I don't. I mean, we often imagine that that um, bad weather is the problem with an English holiday. But I was minded the, the other day I took my young nephew to the seaside at Hastings and he was only there for one day and the heavens opened and it poured with more rain than I have ever experienced in my entire life. We got as wet as though we'd been swimming in the sea with all our clothes on. And at the end of the day, I said to him, what did you like best? We'd had ice creams, we went to the castle, we did all sorts of things. And he said, I liked the rain. And I think, in a sense, that is part of the, of the of the enduring memory of discomfort is, in a sense, part of, rather perversely, part of the pleasure of that kind of holiday. It can be. Um, <laughs> but also, you know, I, I, I'm always surprised by people. On you know, I read a lot of postcard messages, and I'm always surprised that people are surprised that English British weather is so changeable. Yes. And they they sort of sound deeply disappointed that they don't have sunshine. That well. That's you know it's changeable. Yes. You might you might not. You can't. It's like buying a lottery ticket. You can't really be disappointed you didn't win. It doesn't work that way. And I think also I think it's very interesting because if you talk to people who, uh, well, or maybe I'm just speaking for myself here, but I I know that if I have a very very hot holiday, if I go to the Mediterranean or I go somewhere that is uh, where the weather is predictably completely hot. I long for English weather. I mean, my, my sort of English soul starts to hanker for dew and wetness and showers and rainbows and all that kind of thing. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't always have followed the people in your book? I think, um, well, a lot of, I suppose the early people in my book um, went, they wintered, didn't they, in the sun? Oh, yes, yes, so that you got the mild sun. I think seeking the baking sun comes in a bit later. And I've, I must say, I'm not someone who has ever sought, sought to roast. So you, were, you wrote the book in the library. I did indeed. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, in uh, as my second postcard will tell you, oh, okay. uh, some, oh, we'll some of it I wrote, wrote elsewhere. And this this card of the Maggie Hambling, where did how did you, how did that get to you? Someone sent it to you. That came to me um, from a friend of mine called Lucy, who shares. Uh, a lot of my preoccupations with um, sort of summer holidaying and 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 had a very similar childhood to me, and she sent me this about oh it must be about fifteen years ago, and um, just to say that she'd been there and she remembered me talking about it, and so and I think that so it that was, saw this and thought of you exactly oh. saw line a line of shingle. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Well, I'll do a, a quick extra one from me. Mm. Uh, now, this is... It, it doesn't have the beauty of yours. This is a New Milton in Hampshire, I think. A rather nice card. Ooh. Salmon. That looks lovely. Salmon printed it, 1971. Going back a bit further. Sent to, uh, sent to Southampton um, from New Milton. And 27th of July, since you ask. Um, oh, I, I just thought this was rather sweet, actually. It's uh, Dear Mummy and Daddy. It's one of those. From uh, Elizabeth wrote this. Dear Mummy and Daddy, I hope you do not mind. You think, oh, here we go. You know, their hearts in their, in, their, in, their, in their shoes. I hope you do not mind. I have bought myself a troll called Heather, costing 45p. 1971, quite a lot of money. Oh, trolls. Do you remember trolls? Of course. And then, and then Love trolls. Another of these sort of uh, postcard vault fast. She says... If it does not rain, we're going to Bournemouth this afternoon. Love, Elizabeth. 
So she was worried that her parents would be upset she bought a troll. I think that's quite sweet. I wonder how much 45p is now. It's probably about £10, isn't it? I don't know, but it, it's significant, I think, 45p in, in 1971. I don't know. But trolls were irresistible. I wonder if it to was head, the kind to, of... Yeah, to, to Elizabeth. You put on the end of your pencil. Those are the ones I remember, the, you know, that you collected. 40, I think she's got a bigger one for 45p. I think they, those are like mini trolls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a troll. We'll have to listen to our troll po- podcast and we'll, we'll learn more about it. Anyway, poor old, uh, poor old Elizabeth was worried she might have upset her parents, but she'd come clean quite quickly. That's very sweet. Yeah. That's what pocket money's for, isn't it? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Um. You're listening to Podcast from the Past, the postcard podcast, and my guest today is Lucy Lethbridge. Here's a surprise. We've received a postcard. And the postcard is from uh, Bridget Singer in Thornton Heath, and she says, Please enter me for the direct debit £1,000 draw. Thank you. Uh, Well, sorry, Bridget, we're not running any £1,000 draws at the moment. Now, before we see your next card, Lucy, I wanted to pick up on a tiny bit of your book, that, that caught my imagination. Um, so I'm going to tease you now and show you these cards um, because uh, uh, it's, a, it's an area that interests me. So these are some cards that I just grabbed from home. Oh, of, sunsets. Of sunsets. I'm, I'm, I'm interested and slightly repulsed by sunsets. And I'm intrigued by the way postcards sometimes um, kind of venerate and... Um, uh, well, I don't know, they kind of r- romanticise sunsets. At the same time, often removing the place from any kind of identifiable features. So they literally just become a kind of photographic version of a, a sort of Turner wash without any identifying details. So, um, uh, yeah, and there's some old ones with little poems on them. But the reason I wanted to use them, is it's just an excuse to, to talk about a tiny detail in your book about the... The sunsets for every occasion, was it? I, I, oh, maybe, the, I, maybe I need to remind you. But I do. Are you, are you thinking about the spectacles? Yes. Oh, the special spectacles. Well, I think that, that comes from the, the 
18th century obsession with the picturesque, yes. which leaks, I think, into into our, our you know, an inst- a modern Instagram post. Uh, yeah, I don't think we've you left know, that. Moment, we haven't actually. left it. No, we haven't no. left this idea that there is something called the, the the beautiful view, and the beautiful view is very prescribed. Absolutely, it's, it's very rarely uh, as lovely and freshly minted and original as we uh, as we think it is. We come to it with all sorts of preconceptions, uh, and it's quite annoying if if nature doesn't uh, come up to scratch. Or, if, or indeed, or if there is a crowd there on the top of the hill and suddenly, you yes. know, the sunset is ruined by lots of ghetto blasters. And Do you mind? Sh- That's my moment <laughs> of the sublime, not yours. Lots of clicking cameras. Um, yes, now in the 19th century, you could buy these spectacles that... Um, so you could put them on and uh, and and it it gave a sort of automatic sunset filter to whatever view you were looking at. So you so got the orangey glow. You get the orangey glow exactly at any time of day. At any time of day. This, it's flying in the face of nature in the most obvious way, isn't it's it? It's marvelous, isn't it? It's a sort of it's a triumph of of inauthenticity. Yeah. Um, that's there's something rather sort of uh, almost sort of marvelously magical about it. But it's like, but I I think it it you know it's it's what cameras can do now is that we can kind of fiddle around with what we're looking at yes. until we make it exactly uh, how we want. We can cut out the troublesome person in the foreground or, you know, Absolutely. Or, put, or put one in. I just heard the idea that this isn't even about creating images, which is uh, a bit more of an active process. This is like a sort of passive process. That you're not, not letting yourself see anything other than if it's orangey. Yes. I mean, that's a bit like, I don't know, going to the opera and putting your fingers in your ears. Yes. It's a very strange thing to do. I'm not saying it's wrong, but it's strange. I think that somewhere along the line, and, and as I say, I think this is part of the sort of legacy of the idea of the picturesque, which in itself was, became a rather sort of comic thing to do, but, but nonetheless it left this legacy that there is a sort of er view. Yes. So uh, a mountain uh, is, is more of a view you know, a view of mountains is more of a view than a view of um, uh, a field close up. Yes. Uh, there's there's this idea that, that there's a sort of superior set of images to which we should strive. And as the traveller, uh, we are always looking for that image that most approximates to the image that has been given to us in things like postcards. Yes, yes. And in fact, it's a common message, isn't it? It's as nice as the postcard. Yes. It, well, that's not necessarily the, the metric for you. But... It's postcard perfect. Yes, yes. It's very, very strange. But uh, the idea that you could choose to have sunset at dawn or sunset at midday, <laughs> uh, is uh, I, I'm all for it. I think it's a, it's a great idea. But of course, it didn't catch on, so... Well, it's rather like, I think, I, you, you, you know, you can buy these backdrops for Instagram, can't you, which saves you going anywhere. Uh, I, I discovered this... this Rather Not real or, or digital? I suppose they're digital. Right. I mean, you just put yourself, you can put yourself against oh. a kind of Mediterranean background right. to look as if you're uh, on a yacht. And I think that the, I think there's some, um, there's a, the, uh, some data that shows that the colour blue gets more likes than any other colour. Oh. Because okay. it's associated with, uh, with water and right. sky and sunlight and so yes. on. Yes, well, that was true of postcards. All that, all that blue sky they painted. Yes, that's right. Every one of those was grey to begin with. They've all been painted in. Oh, is that right? Oh, so ne- they did, nearly yes. every 1970s card has got a fake sort of sky. Colorized. Yeah, 
Yeah, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. You know, you just don't... It's a very rare day that you get a pure Mediterranean sky in England, isn't it? I mean, you do. We've had them this summer, yeah. but not that often. You'd have to wait a long time, wouldn't you, to... Yeah. to... Yeah. And in fact, funny enough, the phone on your camera seems to pull out that blue in a mm. way that the cameras they used in the 70s really didn't, I don't think. You'd, certainly some of the most luscious images on things like the John Hind cards are hugely enhanced. I mean, very, very much so. With Often with a paintbrush. You know, it's as simple as that. The old-fashioned techniques. I'm always quite interested to, to see how much in the, the 1970s postcards they didn't find tarmac as objectionable as we would now. <laughs> well, I think it was a sense of, look, it's even... Um, uh, you can even put... You can even drive right up to it. Yeah. I think it's that. I <laughs> have found think? a lot of cards of... Um, cathedrals from that era are fundamentally pictures of car parks with the cathedral at the in the in the yeah, background nice backdrop, you get it nice yes, backdrop, yeah. but there's half a dozen random cars they haven't closed it off um, and if you happen to be the person whose car was taken that day it was there forever so sort of uh, uh, yeah you couldn't couldn't escape it well let's go back onto your your second card now Lucy what have we got now away from away from the oversaturated sunsets now, this is a card from a very hot place. Um, and the card shows only actually a slither of blue sky and a lot of landscape, a lot of sort of treeless, uh, sort of dry Mediterranean scrubby mountains. Oh, and yes. it's a it hot. It's a picture of Sifnos. Right. in Greece and... Got that sort of sinuous harbour look, hasn't it? Very nice. Yes, I mean, it is. It could be, I mean, that it happens to be Sifnos um, is, uh, I mean, it could be absolutely any island in Greece. Lovely. Um, As you approach on the boat. Lovely, lovely little white houses, you know, wonderful blue sea, uh, lovely harbour, shelter. And this was sent to me by my friend Sarah. Um, and... Uh, I was looking after her house while she was away in Greece. So she sent it to me rather bizarrely, I see, at her house. Oh, yes, yes. Um, and all she's put on the back, jokey-jokey, is nice in it. <laughs> she's not <laughs> and, wrong. And she wasn't wrong at all. And I, at the time, was going through a rather sort of bad patch. I'd been commissioned to write this book on tourists, but I couldn't get my head around it. I couldn't sort it out. I couldn't organise it. I couldn't think of anything to say that hadn't been said before. And I looked at this postcard, which, as postcards go, is not a terribly interesting one. It's very generic. And I was suddenly moved to go to Sifnos. She's gone there for a week. Right. And I was suddenly thought, I've got to go. I've, I've, I've just got to go. I didn't have very much money, so I thought, well, I'll just go out of season. So I went in March, where it was, it was terribly, terribly cold, and I arrived there, and I don't know, I was possessed of this feeling that I had, I had to stay put. If I was somewhere else, I might be able to kind of loosen my mind up a bit. Right. So I managed to get the shopkeeper in the village of Pharos <laughs> um, to let me have out of season the little flat that he let above the shop. Right. Um, for some very knockdown price, um, and I stayed there for three months, and it broke the, it broke the membrane. It, right. it was it was a great thing, and 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 you had all your stuff with you, presumably with notes and. Yes, I had all my notes. I bought my laptop. Mm. I mean, you know, marvelously. It was it was tremendously Wi-Fi'd up. 
even though it was, it felt very remote, but, you know, everywhere is very Wi-Fi'd up. And what was interesting about it is it got me thinking about places that are dependent on tourism, because, of course, it was. That's, you know, so the whole of Sifnos was waiting yes, uh, yes. for the tourists to come. And, and it's so regimented, the season, isn't it, in those places? Completely, two months. They're open or they're closed. Yeah. And virtually, uh, and so I was there from March to to June when they started yeah. opening up these funny little places. I didn't even know they existed. Suddenly, you know, all the, these chairs <laughs> the would come out. Came down. The shuskiers <laughs> came out and people came. There was a lot of dusting and shaking out of mm. carpets out of the window. And um, because the hordes were coming, and they did, and you heard, you began to hear the, the kind of pull of those wheeled suitcases over the cobbles, oh, yes. and little crowds appearing. I mean, Sifnos actually, I have to say, is not as dependent on tourism as a lot of islands. Um, it's not. It's not quite as. Uh, so it doesn't get quite so inundated by tourists, but. Um, I, I thought I was able to think about it a lot, and I was able to observe it from the outside, and uh, and that's and then I started writing the book, and that's what got me going. Really, yeah. so you were sort of living it, but certainly experiencing close up the whole, the rhythm and the meaning of tourism. Well, I felt rather like one of those Victorians wintering in. <laughs> in uh, the Mediterranean. you know, shaking gone there, off your TV. Gone there, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Gone there with my consumptive lungs. And, um, and, and then, you know, and then leaving with the heat. Yes, of course, yes. That's that. As others arrived, you left. Yes. Well, that's the writer of anyway. The writer's job is to be upside down in society, isn't it? Oh, well, that's a very good way of putting it. Very good. I'm fascinated to hear that. A postcard prompted your breakthrough in the book. Well, I'd run out of ideas, I think, and suddenly, you know, I I looked at this and I thought, I'll just go. And as I say, I didn't have very much money, so I thought if I go in the winter uh, and it won't cost me all that much, and it didn't, and I was able to live there um, quite modestly. Fantastic. And it was lovely. It was really lovely, and to see it, as, yeah, to see it in its quietness, was a, was a treat. And you weren't there through the really tough bits of the winter. We got the storms and. No, it was pretty cold right. in March. I have, I'd say it was it was much colder than I'd anticipated. I remember I I got my mother to send me a hot water bottle. Oh my goodness! <laughs> because nowhere in the Mediterranean, in fact, nowhere in the world except England, can you buy hot water bottles. I wow. almost made a whole yeah. chapter yeah, yeah, in imagine. my book about the hot water bottle because the, the, even in America I've never been able to buy a hot water bottle. There, um, it's a it's a very particularly English thing, but yes. gosh, how we miss them. If you um, <laughs> if you're a sort of luggage obsessive, there is a, a, a thread through your book of, of strange luggage and things people carry around from one country to another. Yes, yes. Well, I think that that was part of the the whole industry of tourism spawned uh, hugely sort of inventive ways of uh, flogging of, you rubbish. Of, of, <laughs> exactly, flogging you collapsible bathtubs and yes. and medicine cabinets. And it's that collapsible bit that always makes me worry because you just think they're going to collapse. You know. Well, <laughs> I was never able to. I, I never actually see if I could hunt out a proper collapsible bathtub. They came in all sorts of of materials. Sort of, I suppose, oiled like oil skin, yes. and rubber, and that kind of thing. They often seem to sit within someone else's recommendations as well, rather than what people have actually taken. Yes. What you must take is, oh right, okay, yeah. 
<laughs> and did you actually take it? Anyway. You had to take your own sheets, of course, because it yes. wasn't until relatively late in the 19th century that hotels were expected to provide sheets or even cutlery. Well, you'd be paid extra. You'd have to you'd have to pay extra for for cutlery for cruets, that oh, kind of yes, thing. Cruet. What are you even? You know, not that long ago, you, you weren't sure if you took towels or not. Yes. Uh, you know, I think I think which I think is standard now everywhere. But it wasn't. Yes, you, you might have you been charged. Take it for granted. Yes, I read a short story the other day, actually, about a, uh, an, a, a family. It was a sort of from the 1930s, a family holidaying, um, a very a rather pecunious, impecunious family holidaying in, uh, on a, in a British resort, and they were charged for the cruet. Right. Um, and they were outraged because they only ever had salt. They never used the pepper and mustard. <laughs> it is a bit rich, <laughs> which would it? be Which would be very annoying. Yeah. Cut charge for it. I mean, that's a sort of medieval idea that sort of hung on and hung on and hung on and hung on. <laughs> anyway, if, mind you, if I paid for the cruet, I would have salt and pepper on everything. I'd, lushings of mustard. I would take it back. I would, <laughs> I would, I would be scraping it off if and putting it into a bag. <laughs> very good, very good. Well, thank you, thank you for, for sharing the, the trampoline that it took you to Greece with us, Lucy. That's very good. Um, I always say the same thing. I never know where the cards will send us. And in your case, it, it sent you to Greece. Um, yeah, I'm delighted you managed to share these cards with, with, with me and, and with the listeners. Um, another quick reminder, um, images of all these cards, all of them, um, will be on the blog, postcardfromthepast.co.uk. And before we let Lucy out into the uh, kind of sunny Fitzrovia uh, streets, um, it is customary for us to end the show with one of these rather fragile things. I'm uh, passing it mm. now to Lucy, and here it is, an uh, sort of oversized postcard. Oh. I don't know if you can describe it for our listener. Goodness me, that looks that looks rather like a sort of bereavement card. It's a, <laughs> it's a pink vase, uh, maybe a ni- like that, 1950s, filled with very suspiciously perfect and slightly lurid pink carnations against a velvet curtain. The velvet curtain is a little bit um, crematorium, isn't it? It is. Ve- there's a definitely a very crematorium feel. And there's a little... It's either a pillbox or a cigarette box. A little... is a octagonal uh, box that matches the vase in some sort of pink ceramic. But right in the middle, bang in the middle of the card, is a curious hole... Well, of course, I, pole it's, puncher. It's, a po- it's a postcard that's a record. Um, oh, I see. And um, young Tom, oh. next door, has made himself, and us, a digital file of it. Ah, there we go. Quite crackles. <laughs> Something going on. Enchanted evening. <laughs> you may see a stranger. There you go. That is extraordinarily clever. It's quite good quality, this one. Yes. And not bad condition. You know. What date is it? I think it's you early 60s. Even then, 
that somewhere you'll see I like, I like the quality of the piano. There's something about the recording on it is really nice. So you would just put this on your turntable, would Exactly you? right, yeah. Send it through the post, and then if you're lucky, you could send them in an envelope to avoid them getting scratched, but you could send it without. I think that's seriously clever technology, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Because there's no sign on the on the card that of any... Well, you can um, just what see would it be? On would the front, you can just see the grooves if you can hold it under the light. You see? Oh. Uh, that works. Oh, I can see it, yes. Oh, okay. you see Just about. The sound of her laughter will sing in so you send, you send a special message. Well, as the mysterious vase continues to spin for the 101st time <laughs> at exactly 45 RPM, that's it for this time on Podcast from the Past. I'd very much like to thank my first class guest for sharing the postcards from her past, Lucy Lethbridge. Lucy, thank you. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Bye for now. When you find your true love, when you feel her call you... You can see more postcards with their messages posted every day on Twitter. Do follow me, at Past Postcard. And you can buy the book, Postcard from the Past, by me, Tom Jackson, at Amazon and all good booksellers. And if you're looking for podcast production, check out wardorstudios.co.uk. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.